Hello, and welcome to the Running Hook Podcast, hosted by Alex Burr, a member of the Running Hook Podcast Network. to another edition during the draft edition of the Alex and Dylan basketball power hour. Now, neither of us proclaim to be draft guys, but the Knicks, we literally just witnessed the Knicks take Obi Toppin and Dylan Hughes. Is there a more Knicks move than to draft another power forward? I mean, when you're looking to balance a roster, you know, you obviously double down on or quadruple down on the most important position of all time, which is power forward. So, you know, I, I think the Knicks building up this this incredible depth is such an important position. Um, you know, I, I think they're on the, the right track for sure. I have always said that if Carl Malone was born in this era, he would have he would have thrived. You know, I, I, I've always said this. You know, big, big Carl Malone guy, big Bob Pettit guy, um, Charles Barkley, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Garnett, my favorite position. I mean, there's no position flashier than power forward. Oh, no. I mean, we've talked about our love for the the elbow jumping power forwards. I mean, like, like where does David West rank all time in players, you know? Like, he's got to be top 15. Not for see, sure. That's, that's too low. I, I have him. I haven't been my top three. It's MJ, LeBron, and David West. Okay. See, I, I, I haven't studied his full profile, but, I mean, he has a title. You can't deny that. I mean, so, you, got, you got to include the college career in there, too. And, I mean, exactly. David West David West at Xavier, you know, not, quite a resume. Um, <laughs> on a serious note, this, that was a fun way to start the podcast. We, we have really good energy for this being the latest we've recorded in possibly ever. Um, I don't think we've ever started this late. It's almost nine o'clock. We just witnessed pick eight Obi Toppin of the Knicks, like we just said. Um, but we're not really going to be talking about the draft. Neither of us are draft guys, unless there's a trade that breaks during this, which by the time we're done, I could see it being around pick 20 something. So there's possibility of some trades, but we got to get into the real, real news of the week. And of course, that's Bruce Brown to the Nets. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we got to talk. I'm taking a victory lap on CP3. But before I start, Dylan, how did you feel about this trade when you first saw that CP3 was going to the Suns? I mean, I was very happy because the moment you mentioned it on a prior pod, I was like, yes, please happen. And it feels like those deals are the deals that never actually happen. Like, the deals that should happen are the deals that never happen. So, I, I will say that I did want Chris Tapps to go to the to Dallas, and that happening really made my year. But, I mean, Chris Paul there, like, I love that the Suns are just rolling with that 8-0 bubble energy and just completely cashing in. And the thing is, like, they didn't really cash in. Like, Giving up Kelly Oubre, who didn't even play in the bubble, and they still, you know, they, like, clearly didn't need him, even though he was a good player. They didn't need him to have all that success, and it seems like the the group they had really was gelling. And uh, hopefully Ricky Rubio was not the centerpiece of the gel on that team. Otherwise, they're going to have an issue. But I'm happy that, you know, Devin Booker has been crying about not making the playoffs for all these years. So I'm happy that they, you know, not that they're guaranteed to get there, but they certainly have a much better shot now. 
Yeah, that's absolutely for sure. Um, Chris Paul is just a perfect fit for the Suns, and here's why. So we saw last year was one of the best years of his career since he was in Los Angeles, right? He was really good in Houston. I'm not going to deny that, but he was, like, I mean, he was the best player on a team that was the fifth seed, right? And he was, like, in terms of quality players, he wasn't really close, right? I mean, SGA, we don't know how good he is yet. <laughs> we know he's good. How good, we're not entirely sure. And Gallo, Gallo has holes in his game that he'll be a great regular season player, but he can never be your, like, really top two or even maybe three option on a playoff team. So them getting him and combining him with Devin Booker, Devin Booker can create for himself, but he's like a lot of main guys. He's really good when he's being set up too. So the fact that he's going to be getting set up by Chris Paul is just a phenomenal, phenomenal option. Like you said, losing Ubre, not that big of a loss because Cam Johnson at four, that was a formula that worked for me, right? Like he did all the little things. He rebounded, he spaced the floor and, you know, like people bash that pick, but I think it's in retrospect turning out to be a great pick. And 22, I am shocked. The thunder did not get 11 instead of the 2022 first round pick. We'll talk more about the thunder. I'm sure we can't, we can't not talk about the thunder. I mean, we'll probably talk about them next, but I mean, the fact that they keep 11 to add, like, a role player to their team, I think that the Suns won this trade thoroughly. Like, I mean, the the Thunder are probably going to end up winning just based on the returns that they get for Rubio and Oubre, <laughs> right? Just from what we've been seeing. But, damn, like, Chris Paul, I mean, with the Rockets dropping out, um, we're assuming the Rockets are going to drop out. We'll talk about the Rockets later as well. And the Thunder dropping out, I think the Suns have a clear shot at the top eight. We'll see where they finish, but do you? I'm not going to lock them in yet. But how confident are you in the Suns making the playoffs next year? I mean, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, like it, you know, on paper, I would probably vault them. Well, I would vault them over Memphis. Um, whether I would put them over Portland yet is going to take some time to figure out, especially with the trade they make that we'll get to. But I mean, as you mentioned, like the thing that I really like about them is like Cam Johnson absolutely opened a lot of things up for them. And I do like, see, it's funny because I really liked Cam Johnson coming into the draft. I thought he was like a really great off-ball player like like a legitimately great off-ball player in college like he was an incredible shooter and a lot of the shots weren't coming from his own creation which you know I think it's it's kind of funny looking at a lot of these draft experts what they say because a a lot of them harp on self-creation and they will knock guys for that it's like you can't like not everyone can be a self creator you know I mean, he, you're going to have players that are much better off ball and you need that. And at the same time, I mean, it's not like Cam Johnson is completely useless with the ball either. I mean, he can, he can attack closeouts and there's just a lot of little things he does. He's really good in transition. And if you're a good off ball shooter cutter and you're smart in transition, I mean, that's all you really need. Like if you already have a guy like Devin Booker, that's, that's a really nice piece. And while, I still think, you know, value-wise, it was a pretty large reach. I mean, it was still – it's not like they drafted a bad player again. So, 
Um, so just, you know, with him and with him playing that four, you know, and I mean, they just have a really nice team. Like I really like Mikhail Bridges. We've talked about him a lot. Um, like I truly believe if he can develop his own, his own uh, self-creation a little bit, he could legitimately be Paul George. Like right. the, the moments where he's had like 25 points in a game, you know, like these games where he's able to score a lot. I mean, he is just like, he, he really looks like he can be that level of guy. And obviously we see the defense night in and night out the offense. We just haven't been able to see consistently, but you know, he's, and he's not going to have to be that player. So, um, He's not going to get a ton of practice, but um, hopefully he gets some chances over the years to work on that. Um, but for right now, he's just a great compliment to Booker and, and Chris Paul. And I definitely feel like they have a great shot at getting one of those lower seats in the conference at least. But, hey, I mean, we were doubting the Thunder last year, and Chris Paul took him to the fifth seat. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if they end up surprising people a little bit. Yeah, I mean – it's funny, right? So if they wait to place like to finish this trade until after free agency, the Thunder or the Suns have a like eighteen million dollars in cap space that they can totally take advantage of. That they could use to sign Gallinari, they could use to sign Jeremy Grant, another like Bertans. Bertans would not. I don't think Bertans would fit in Phoenix, but just someone like that, right? Where you could move Cam Johnson to the bench and just kind of open things up for your team. And I think that that would be an interesting way to go about it. I don't know if they will, right? But and I don't know if like Jeremy Grant would want to leave Denver. I don't know if Gal or I don't know where Dallo want, Gallo wants to go. It seems like he wants to go to Dallas, which is smart, and I would love that for Dallas. But I mean, there's just a lot of different ways the Suns could go about it, and I think that they're definitely for me they're in they're a top eight team health permitting. And I think one of the biggest beneficiaries of this Dylan is going to be Deandre Ayton. Like Ayton, like we all know centers need great, great assist men, right? Just to set them up generally. There's one Nikola Jokic and there's the rest of the league's history at center. Like you need someone to get you the ball and Deandre Ayton to me, he could be a real big beneficiary of this, especially with his, you know, athleticism with his you know with his strength you know hopefully he doesn't get suspended for peds again (laughs) i thought that was like like they were bad last year but then missing deandre ayton for like what was ended up being like a quarter of the season is huge and so i think the suns are in a a great place going forward in their future yeah and and the the suns pick is in and it's about to be announced and i'm very excited to see who it is I'm telling you, man. If it's if it's Tyrese Halliburton, I'm booking a I'm booking a plane ticket. Like I don't know for how long. It may be a one way, but this is a guy that I spent like half of the pre-show discussing how stupid these teams are for passing on him. So uh, I'm excited to see this pick in the next ten seconds or so. But yeah, I agree. Like DeAndre Aiden's going to benefit, and again and again, Aiden's a guy that is going to benefit from not having to carry a load now, like. Right. He's a guy that that's and you know he was a number one overall pick, so he's a guy that you can expect to carry the load. But and he's naturally going to just by being a massive player down low. And the Suns take Jalen Smith. Very interesting. That's uh, a good so backup that's, for that's a good backup yeah, for DeAndre. Wouldn't you say that's a really really nice backup. And 
I'm sure he'll benefit from some Chris Paul lobs um, at some point, but, but yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a really nice, a really nice depth piece, which is kind of what they need to build up now after that trade uh, for Chris Paul. So yeah, I definitely like the sun's future. Um, you know, Chris Paul's obviously not going to be there for much longer. Um, you know, he's getting up in age, but he's definitely a great bridge for their future and he's going to help them finally become a playoff team, hopefully. So I'm definitely feeling good about them and I'm happy that they made uh, the trade that we both wanted. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad that they were able to keep this lottery pick because they allowed them to add, you know, a player like Jalen Smith, right? Again, I have not watched a lick of college basketball since Zion Williamson was in college. Okay. Just to, just to give my, my little bit of context or I watched John Morant at Murray state, but it's, it's been that long. Um, You know, you need like what Caleb's told me, right? Like, is that he's going to be a very good player (laughs) and what you were saying, he's going to be a very good player. So adding that kind of guy on their bench is going to be huge. Uh, we'll get to the Thunder later. I'll talk about Rubio and Ubre then. I mean, there's really not in terms of the Thunder. There's really not much to say, you know, what they're getting other than you know those those two are going to be trade pieces. I like Ty Jerome, but I don't know how much I like him. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be shocked if Ty Jerome is like the the younger version of um, Abdel Nader, who they just traded to the Suns as well. Like, and I like I like Ty Jerome in Virginia, but. I just wouldn't be shocked if if he ends up with that kind of career. He's like a he's like a useful bench guy, but like the tenth man probably. Right. I like I could see him playing, getting playing time. I I was intrigued by him, but you know when you have Javon Carter and Cameron Payne, you know, well you don't need Ty Jerome. That being said, um, yeah, just a really really wonderful trade for the Suns, and I think that. You know, this this might be the incentive that it takes to keep Booker, right? Like these, you're seeing a lot of moves that are being made to help facilitate stars staying in a place, and to use that as a transition. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, okay? So they traded for Drew Holiday, <laughs> for George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, and like, so it was what three first round picks and two pick swaps. <laughs> Yes, and here's the thing. So they traded the Pacers first round pick they got this year from Malcolm Brogdon. You know that. You know that's that's understandable. Um, they traded the 2025 and 2027 first unprotected, and then to add to that, 2024-2026 pick swaps. So essentially, the trade is if Giannis leaves, we are fucked. <laughs> That that is essentially the trade. Yeah, especially right. Twenty twenty seven is a long time from now, and so let me do some quick math in my head real quick. So Giannis, if I had to guess, was born in nineteen ninety four. In twenty twenty seven, he will be thirty three years old. I we both love Giannis here on this podcast. It's safe to say. I don't know. I don't know how well he's going to age, even if he does stay in Milwaukee. <laughs> like we, it's too early to say. Um, but just the absolute haul for Drew Holiday. Um, we did you see the Bucks coming in any way, shape, or form for Drew Holiday? Not really. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that they tried to upgrade over Bledsoe because, as we've discussed at length, 
he is terrible, especially in the playoffs. And honestly, like just a simple upgrade from the fact that you can have a reliable playoff player, um, another reliable playoff player next to Giannis is worth the trade in theory, um, excluding the future ramifications. But, you know, the Bucs are obviously trying to win now. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't I don't want to say it shocked me. I definitely I definitely thought that he was probably going to end up in like Denver because we had talked about Drew Holiday potentially going to Denver a little bit. And it made a lot of sense for both sides to make a trade like that. Um, and there was reports about it, too. So, you know, when I woke up that morning and saw that holiday ended up going to the Bucks, I mean, it was a, it did catch me a little bit off guard, but it makes a lot of sense that they wanted to upgrade over Bledsoe for sure. And the future hall, I mean, we'll talk about that in a second, but just for the Bucks, Drew Holiday is to me like so this is the problem, right? Drew Holiday is a is a good player. I don't think I would say he's a great player. And also, the the upgrade from Bledsoe is huge, as you say. But the problem for me is that Holiday's best seasons came when he was being set up, right? Whether I mean, the season I'm talking about in particular is 2017-18, when Rajan Rondo was their point guard, right? That seemed to be the the peak for Drew Holiday in terms of just like everything, right? Now, having two set three semi creators, I should say, because Giannis gets hyped as this creator when, like you said last week, and I thought it was really poignant, is that Giannis should just be playing center. But having three semi creators does that create a whole <laughs> a whole shot creator? I'm not I'm not entirely sure it does. And then. I think this is as good a time as any to get into this shit show. Um, Kang's going to Kang, even though I don't think it was entirely their fault. Bogdan Bogdanovich was attempted. They attempted to trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich, and it blew up spectacularly in their face because we can we can go through like all the you know like speculation of what happened, but what was reported by Sam Amick was that the Kings tried to tra- trade trade. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's a restricted free agent without signing him first. That's just what Sam Amick reported. Now, it it appears on its surface, or if you look past the surface, I should say, that it goes a lot deeper than that. It looks like this is some anti-tampering stuff. But just on its face, um, (laughs) this Bogdanovich situation is really ridiculous. (laughs) You know, it's ridiculous, but also somewhat expected... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if it just is a tampering thing where they have to kind of act like he's not going to accept the trade. But we get to Friday when the moratorium's lifted, and oh, oh, oh yeah, we talked him into it, so uh, he's going to the Bucks. So it wouldn't be shocking if that's what it ends up being. Um, but you know, for now, it's kind of up in the air. It's got to be really awkward, right? Like, especially if, you know, if this trade doesn't happen for like DiVincenzo, Ilyasova, and who is the uh, DJ Wilson, right? That's got to be really awkward, like to knowing that you were going to get traded. And then, like I said, on its face, it looks like, oh, this guy didn't actually want to come play for us. 
And so we're stuck here. Right. That's gotta be, I don't know what being a professional athlete is like, and Oh, you know, it's a business, whatever, but damn, like that's gotta be shitty still. Like, I, I don't care what anybody says, like getting jerked around like that. That can't be fun. Yeah. But at the same time, you're playing on one of the better teams in the league. So if, if the worst case scenario happens and that trade does fall through, at least they can say, well, we're going to play for a 60 win team. So I think we're going to be okay. Right. That's, that's incredibly fair. But we were talking a little bit before the show about Bogdanovich. Um, let's just, so let's act like the, this trade will eventually happen. Right. As it, as they said it would. Who? How do you think Bogdanovich would help the Bucks if he if he ends up going there? <laughs> well, see, building off your point about the the three semi creators, I definitely think that he makes the holiday trade make even more sense because right. I don't I don't want to call Bogdanovich another half creator, but I mean he's not a guy you're building your offense off of. But at the same time, he is a very good secondary option. Um, And those three guys that they have are very good at creating for themselves. And Giannis is good at finding open shooters. But he's not necessarily looking to get everyone involved um, like a typical leading creator would. And Holiday, I would say, is kind of the same. Um, and Middleton is definitely the same. I mean, Middleton is icewing all the time, all the time. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he's he's obviously like just a great, you know, from a floor spacing perspective, would be really nice too, because I do worry about Holiday with his shooting. Right. Um, he's not going to bring he's not going to bring your offense crashing down like Bledsoe would, just bricking wide open threes. But he's not a great shooter either. So, you know, having as many good shooters in there as possible is, 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 you know, obviously, you know, ideal because, you know, we all know Giannis is not a reliable shooter and he's slowly, he's slowly getting there. Um, but, you know, from a floor spacing perspective and creation, you know, putting Bogdanovich in there over the three guys they would be trading would definitely be preferred so you know we'll we'll see if it ends up going through and speaking of the kings they take they finally take Calburn off the board so what, whatever happens at least at least they made the right draft pick so i'm happy about that hey but, they have uh, their bogdanovich replacement there you go so you know so i think that's really telling right there that bogdanovich is leaving but uh you know and and you know you know we talked about these buddy heel trades all off season, all two weeks it seems like the off season has been, um, but then moving on from Bogdanovich over healed would be pretty interesting. I don't think it sounds like they want to move on from Bogdanovich, right? Like, like I was talking about, we were talking about before the show. I think Bogdanovich is a little overrated, right? <laughs> Especially like the last couple of weeks on Twitter. He is he's a good basketball player. Again, I would say he's top one hundred, and he's closer, like really close to one hundred. Like, I could think of a lot of guys I would want on my team before him. That being said, if he's your fourth best guy, you're in a great place, especially on a good team, right? Like, where you have a structure and shooters. Um, I mean, 
Bogdanovich to me is like the kind of guy that you talk about, like, and everything you say he can do, he can do a little, right? He can score a little, he could pass a little, he can rebound a little, he can shoot a little. I mean, he shot a lot last year, but it was 37% on seven attempts. So that's, that's pretty good on pretty good volume. And I would imagine if you went to the Bucks, that would go up. But yeah, I just, I like the idea of it, right? I just don't know how well it works in practice and I hope it goes through because if it doesn't, this is a major embarrassment for the Bucks. <laughs> more, I'd say more for the Bucks than for the Kings, even though the Kings always somehow end up with egg on their face. Just because it looks like this is just the Bucks attempting to avoid tampering, at least from my perspective. This is what this major league looks like. I don't, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but it's a tough situation. Um, yeah, anything else in the Bogdanovich? <laughs> fuck up before we move on <laughs> no i mean we'll we'll have to see what happens and you know i'm sure on our next podcast we'll be able to to fully dive in on on that but um you know it is what it is it's the nba uh it, it doesn't seem like after last year they really cared about tampering when kevin durant was like before free and even stars like yeah i'm going to the nets so kemba walker too you know yeah I mean, to be fair, those were hours, not days before. Right. So I don't know, but I'm sure that's it. Uh, unless the Hawks are willing to throw a max at him. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think it's probably going to end up him going to the books. I would like him. I would like him in Atlanta, I'd say. But then again, I'd like anybody in Atlanta because they need talent. <laughs> they They need additional talent, I should say. They're talented with their top six. But um, we're not here to talk about Atlanta. I'd say the next trade we need we should talk about is Robert Covington. I is is that is that a fair place to go? That's a beautiful place to go. So Robert Covington was traded to the Portland Trailblazers for it was two first round picks and Trevor Ariza. So the Rockets then proceeded to trade Ariza in sixteen for um. What, what did they trade him for? Like cap space? <laughs> Essentially, yes. They There's a bunch of semantics surrounding it, but they like – and they ended up buying a second-round pick so they could pay Ariza's salary. It, I don't I don't know. But it, it somehow ended up being a, a salary cap dump that they also got three first-round picks for. <laughs> right. I mean – this guy after uh, Maury is doing a pretty good job of recouping some of the first round picks they lost for for Westbrook, but like, damn. <laughs> um, let's talk about Covington on the Blazers, though, because we had been banging for like, I mean, really, we as a whole, as a basketball whole, has been banging that the Trailblazers needed a wing for the last however many years. And Robert Covington emphatically fills that hole. And I think that this is a great fit in Portland. I think he'll fit perfectly next to Nurkic, which is what matters. I mean, we all know Covington's a great, a great spot up shooter, but I think he's a great cutter too. And I think that'll work well off of, off of Nurkic. But how do you, how do you like the fit for Covington in Portland? Well, the great thing about Robert Covington is that he could be traded to literally any team and you'd be like, Oh, that's a good fit. So obviously I like the fit, but as you said, we've been talking about, um, Portland's severe lack of of forward uh, stability, um, especially when Ariza got hurt last year and uh, Rodney Hood. And Rodney Hood also opted out. 
Um, so Which is I'm intriguing. Not, yeah, that that's like a very low key, um, important free agent now. Um, and you know, I'm assuming he's not going to go back to Portland because he was making six million, and I can't really see him making a ton more than that. Him and Robin uh, Lopez are the only guys who are going to decline player options this year. <laughs> yes, which the Robin Lopez one was also a little bit surprising to me. He was going to uh, make five million. Yeah, to be a backup center with his brother. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I mean, it was a great trade, and I think the I think the the um, the draft capital they gave up is probably worth it. I mean, it, it's kind of funny how Robert Covington has. You know, obviously Robert Covington's a very good player, but getting two first round picks from two different teams in exchange for him in the past two years, I mean, that's that's kind of surprising that he's worth that much. But again, he just fits in so well and um, you know, he's gonna be perfect with that starting lineup in Portland, as you said. Um, and you know, the the thing is Damian Lillard doesn't need a ton. Like right. We we've seen him go very far in the playoffs before with not an incredibly, you know, supportive supporting cast. Um, obviously, Nurkic is a very good player. Um, so you know, having those three as your best players, and yes, that is a shade on CJ McCollum. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to make the that bottom of the West uh, playoff chase that now includes the Suns. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. So, uh, to me, I think this bumps up the Trailblazer ceiling a lot more, right? Like, even coming in fully healthy, right? And we we don't know where every team's going to finish in the standings. But again, we're not going to talk about the Harden and Westbrook rumors, but we're going to assume that one of them is not going to be on the roster probably come March. <laughs> so, that being said... Or I'm just going to assume that they're going to drop out of the playoffs, right? They're trading all their, you know, primary and secondary pieces. Um, I think Portland's really improved their stock in the West. Like, that to me is just like a, a phenomenal move to elevate your standing, right? And this is an all-in move, right? I don't know how good of an all-in move it is because it's Portland. There's, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers and the Warriors in the conference, whatever you've said your stuff about the Warriors, but still they're a force to be reckoned with. Um, and the nuggets still, I really like this move for Portland. And I mean, it's an elite shooter. I mean, Covington shoots a lot, right? So he's not like, you know, if you just looked at the stats, you wouldn't think of him of him as an elite shooter, but he the way they guard him on the perimeter, you he is an elite shooter. There, I don't think there's really any doubt about that. So I really like this pickup for Portland, and I really like Houston getting two first round picks out of it, even if they did <laughs> dump one of them in a salary dump to Detroit. But I thought it was a pretty fair deal all around. And you're right, it is crazy that Covington is worth you know multiple first round picks, but that's where we are in that's where we are in 2020. <laughs> And he was also basically the centerpiece of the Joel or the uh, Jimmy Butler trade. So, right. I mean, this is like the most tradable guy of all time, I think. Is okay, wait, wait. So, would you say that Robert Covington, and just after what he's been traded for, is he by far the most valuable role player in the league? Oh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of funny when these guys get traded this much, it's like, 
it's Tobias Harris is kind of the same thing. It's like if they're traded that much, are they really that good? <laughs> but really, if you look at the situations he's leaving, it's like, I mean, obviously the Philly trade was, you know, you're getting a much better player out of it. Uh, Minnesota was just bad and they did not need him as much as the Rockets did. Um, and the Rockets situation is also drastically changing. So, um, I mean, he's just, he's just a guy that constantly is valuable to good teams and good teams are willing to pay up for him. So, you know, hopefully he doesn't keep getting traded because, <laughs> I mean, I would like to see him stay on a team for a while and that team be a contender. But, um, and, you know, it doesn't seem like Damian Lillard's leaving Portland ever. So I think there's a good chance that Covington's going to stick around for a while. I mean, so first of all, Let's. I want to make one point about Covington before I move on to my other point about Portland in general. Um, or about my other point about Covington, I should say. Covington, Robert Covington made the Timberwolves a passable defense last year. The Timberwolves. They were arguably, I'm not going to say the worst team in the league because the Pistons existed. But they were one of like the four worst <laughs> in the league last year. And he made the Timberwolves defense decent, which is insane. It's literally insanity, Dylan. The that Trailblazers or Timberwolves defense had no business being anywhere near decent. My other point about Covington is that once he got to Houston and they played him at Power Forward, which is where I'm assuming he will play in Portland, even with a bigger team. He that was the best basketball I would say he played of his career. Like he was bombing threes. I think he was taking almost ten a game in Houston. And he was blocking shots. He had, like, averaged a a few blocks a game. And just, it was what you wanted from a 3 and D role player. And I thought if if Portland can get the Houston version of Robert Covington, I think that that's a massive addition. And I think, I'm not going to say Western Conference Finals because there's a lot of teams that can make the Western Conference Finals. They have the potential to make it again. And I I don't think it would be a fluke. I just, I don't, you know, they have a really solid baseline with just Dame, CJ, Covington, and Nurkic. You just need one more player. And I think that you could get that guy in free agency, right? Like, I don't think Paul Millsap, I saw KOC say that they could get Paul Millsap. I don't think this yeah. version of Paul Millsap would be a bad fit there. I don't yeah, think it I would. S- I saw that earlier, too, and I thought that was great. Like, that's that's a great depth piece for them. Um, and, you know, I do agree about if they can get the Rockets version of Covington – they're in great shape, and and I think you know Western Conference Finals probably is their ceiling because, I mean, you know he wouldn't have the same ability of, a, you know he wouldn't be guarding centers like he was in Houston because you know as much as we talked about PJ Tucker handling the big guys down low, I mean Covington handled that same load a lot of these nights, um, so I mean he's he's one of the few guys that could legitimately guard one through five I think. Um, and his size doesn't really suggest – not that he's small, but he's not a guy that looks like he could guard centers, but he legitimately gives them trouble. I mean, he's really strong. So, you know, I I really hope he ends up staying healthy because Portland had so much health problems this year. Um, it would be nice for them to stay healthy this upcoming year and uh, give it a good run because, you know, I respect an organization like that that, you know – they keep their best player. They don't just trade them. And uh, they're constantly making moves to try to improve. I mean, that Nurkic trade they made a few years ago was like 
huge because Mason Plumley was a good player for them, but like not good enough. And, you know, they, they said, okay, you know, Nurkic doesn't really fit with Jokic. We'll go ahead and see if he's better here. And man, he was awesome right off the bat. So I hope that uh, just for the sake of that organization, um, that, that this trade ends up working out for them. You want to talk about trades that um, teams that end up trading with each other that end up trading each other useful players. Portland and Denver just seem to make trades with each other every couple of years where the one side gets a really good player and the other side gets a guy that's not so great. Like Aaron Aflalo for Will Barton trade. And then a couple of years later, the Mason Plumlee for Nurkic trade. Although Plum, that one wasn't as bad for Denver as the other one was for Portland. But like if if Portland had Will Barton right now and they signed Paul Millsap, like obviously they wouldn't want to play small in every possession. But could you imagine a small lineup of Lillard, McCollum, Barton, Millsap, and Cove? Like that's a that's a ridiculous lineup right there. Yeah, I forgot about that Barton trade, man. And I remember that was like a, a semi-shock for Portland because I, um, I'm i trying to remember. There's a guy for ESPN that's like really close. Is it Chris Haynes? He's yeah. really close to Dame Lillard. And he was interviewing uh, – I think he was actually interviewing Will Barton or maybe it was Dame Lillard. But uh, Will Barton, you know, was not as good for Portland as he has been for Denver. But he was like kind of like a glue guy there. And when they traded him for freaking Aaron Aflalo, of all people, uh, who is like one of the more forgettable, decent NBA players of all time, I'd say. Aaron Aflalo has a Kendrick Lamar lyric. So, I mean, let's, let's give him that. That is, that is very impressive. I'll give him that. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, for some guys, that's all they need in their career. But, right. Uh, I mean, make a couple of million dollars. I saw something that he was trying to buy the Timberwolves from Glenn Taylor. He was leading a group to try to buy the Timberwolves. I think I saw that. Like, Aaron Aflalo, how the hell did you get that kind of money? Yeah, I'm assuming he's a very minority stake in that. <laughs> like, I don't like I don't even know what the appeal of that, too, is. Oh, yes, here's our group. We're being fronted by Aaron Aflalo. <laughs> like, Derek Jeter, okay, like, this is a different sport, obviously, but Derek Jeter, I understand, right? The yeah. Hawks... A part of their appeal was that Grant Hill, you know, the Lakers with Magic, whatever. I, I don't think Magic owns the Lakers. Uh, Magic owns the Dodgers, excuse me. But I understand the appeal there. Who the hell remembers Aaron Aflalo? I. When do you think the last time Aaron Aflalo was in the league? I, I don't even remember. What? Just guess. What, what was do you think Aaron Aflalo's last year in the league? I'm going to say 2017, probably with the Magic. You are 2018. Okay. I remember that he was on the Magic like three different times because like I think there was a sequence where he was traded back and forth between Denver and Orlando like multiple times. Like they just couldn't figure out who really wanted him. And Evan Fournier was involved at one point. There's just a weird history there. See transactions. So he was part of the um he was part of the Dwight Howard trade. He okay. went from Denver to Orlando, I believe. And then he was traded back to the he's traded back to the Magic or to the Nuggets for Evan Fournier, which is how Evan Fournier obviously has been there since 2014. And then he was traded 
by the Denver Nuggets with Alonzo G. For <laughs> here, here's some great names. Here's some great names. Okay, for Will Barton, Victor Claver, and Thomas Robinson. Oh wow! And a first round pick. The first round pick became Malik Beasley. Okay. So <laughs> that um, that's certainly an interesting trade, and <laughs> God, I don't think we we ever meant to spend any time talking about Aaron Aflalo, let alone this much time. But <laughs> I just you know, in the in the post in the post show, that's a very on brand discussion. But today it moves to the recording. Yes, today it moves to the recording. One last thing about Aaron Aflalo is that I remember that. Um, during the lockout, right when Grantland just started, Bill Simmons, there's he wrote this really big article on Aaron Aflalo being the next, the future of shooting guards, <laughs> and that bombed spectacularly in his face. <laughs> and it was yeah. just like, in theory, in theory, I could see that, but in reality, no, no, and. Bill Bill admits he was wrong, which is which is a good thing. But let's yeah. see. I'm gonna I'm just gonna Google the article and we're gonna see the headline. <laughs> this is this is fascinating. I think we only really have one more trade to talk about. Um, this has not gone. The draft has not had any trades. I felt I feel lied to and deceived. Me too. Is Fair Aaron Aflalo really worth fifty million? That was that was the subhead. <laughs> So that's what we were debating after the lockout. Um, so let's talk about this Philly Thunder trade. And we're going to talk, I want to talk about David Griffin and Sam Presti. And you'll see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. So the Sixers. So, okay. So we didn't talk about Schroeder, but the, the Thunder ship Schroeder to the Lakers for Danny Green in 28. And then the Thunder where did 28 go after that? I don't remember. <laughs> it's, they've done so many picks. 28 is not on the, is no longer on the Thunder. But they also managed to get Al Horford, and as you said, a 25 lightly protected first for Danny Green, who they got in the Schroeder trade. So what I want to talk about with them is the fact that Presti and David Griffin are leveraging the hell out of teams that are desperate for first round picks. And I think it's a work of leverage art right there. Like that is how you get the most out of a deal. And I just, I wanted to take a second to appreciate it on a pod because those two guys have the, the other suitors by the balls and they're getting more than what they wanted. Yeah, man. Sam Presti is just a legend. Like, the guy that traded James Harden should not have had this much success, you know? And I still think it's, it's funny that we're going to end up, or we already can say that, that, uh, Oh, a great pick by the Orlando magic Cole Anthony, who shot 38% from the foreign college, just another excellent point guard in the history of the magic. Uh, Penny Hardaway is, is really ashamed of his franchise. The natural successor to DJ Augustine. I don't know what you could possibly be talking about. That's a great point, man. That is a great point. <laughs> hey, he is the son of Greg Anthony, so maybe hope. But is that uh, literally all he has going for him? It, yes, it is. It's all he has going for him. Greg he's Anthony wasn't even that good. Hey, man, he's a thrilling TV presence. Okay, <laughs> he, hey, he, he was great. He's he was ingrained great. in the fabric of NBA entertainment. He was uh, great on the call of the game where Kawhi hit the shot, on the Kawhi shot. 
See? Exactly. Every time I think about Kawhi, I think about Gary Anthony's call. And that is all you need to know about Cole Anthony. So, uh, <laughs> so great, great pick by the Magic. Very excited for them. Um, but Sam Presti is going to be the only guy in NBA history for sure that can say, yes, I traded James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Chris Paul. Right. I mean, what a, what a uh, Wikipedia moment for him there. Most, but, most I mean, people are fired after the first one. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, and he's also going to be able to probably add uh, Al Horford to that at some point. And also, a little breaking news, we can say that he can also add Ricky Rubio to that list, who is, drumroll please, going back to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wait, he is? Yes. He is going to the Timberwolves alongside the 25th and 28th pick. Wow. For number 17, which is coming up in one pick. So Ricky Rubio, who spent like four years trying to get out of Minnesota because he couldn't make the playoffs, is now going back to his uh, American homeland. So Wow. Um, this is this is shocking news that's happening while we're while we're talking. Six minutes ago from Woj. Yes. So the big four of Sam Presti's life is the trading of James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, and Ricky Rubio. One of these things is not like the others. And that's Russell Westbrook. He shoots a lot more than everyone else does. Um, <laughs> or did when they played for the Thunder, I should say. Um, but I, hold on. I'm just in, I'm just in awe here. Like, Rubio going back to Minnesota is going to be it's going to be fun. He needs to grow his hair out again. And you or know, gr- this is uh, this is just another Presti swindle because with the pick, OKC is selecting Alexej Puk Pukasevsky. I mean, what really? a swindle. What a swindle. <laughs> I mean, what a superstar. If you can't say his name as we've seen with Giannis, he, you're a superstar. That's just how it works. I mean, it seems like, okay, from all indications, it seems like the Thunder are trying to get... It sounds like that top seven in next year's draft is absolutely loaded, and it sounds like the Thunder are just trying to get there. Oh, yeah. And if they're bad enough, and if they're bad in the West, they're probably going to be close to being bad enough. They will get to the top seven of next year's draft. With, oh, yeah. With absolute certainty. Um, I think that they are doing a phenomenal job of asset collection, right? And getting stuff for things like... You know, the Al Horford thing is a perfect example of, you know, getting something for another team, what another team doesn't want, right? Bailing them out of that three-year atrocity <laughs> that the Philadelphia 76ers gave Al Horford, which knowing the knowing the trajectory of Al Horford's career, he's going to be good the second he steps on the floor in Oklahoma City and they're going to have to trade him. <laughs> yeah, They're going to they're trade him and some team is good. That's going to be their big deadline addition. <laughs> That's going to be their big deadline addition. And we, Dylan, we both agree, right, that Al Horford, it wasn't Al Horford's fault that he sucked in in Philadelphia. It was more of the team's fault. Yes. And, you know, I saw a discussion earlier talking about whether Horford or Adams will be traded now. And someone said, oh, well, you know, Horford played the four this year. And I'm like, yes, he did. And he was terrible at the four. So maybe, maybe, uh, the Thunder would be better off playing both of those two and 
they'll you'll just have two centers on the floor at the same time alongside Here's- your leading guard who can't really shoot yet. So <laughs> This is a great tanking effort from the Thunder. I really appreciate it. You want to know how you tank? <laughs> 24 minutes of Steven Adams, 24 minutes of Steve, of uh, Al Horford, 48 minutes of Mike Muscala at the four, baby. Let's go. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just, I mean, Horford is probably going to get traded at some point too. Let's, let's be real here. I mean, there's no way he sticks with, he sticks with the Thunder, but I think that that's going to be <laughs> this is all this is a lot to process at once cuz that's a that's a pretty big trade right there sending Rubio back cuz now right I liked Rubio I thought Shea still needs a point guard. I still think that he needs a guy that can, re- can create for him. And I don't know how it's going to go having Shea be the creator. Um maybe Horford can fill that role, but I mean, last time Horford filled that role, he had two dynamic, two dynamic young athletes in Jalen and Jason, and also Marcus Smart, who is one of the most intelligent um, players in the league. I always have to use most intelligent when I'm talking about Marcus Smart because smart is too obvious. Telling <laughs> smart is too obvious, and it's too. It's I'm I'm not trying to lower myself that low, right? I'm willing to go pretty low in terms of puns. I'm not willing to go that low. You know, I'm I'm not that basic. Yeah, that that's too easy. Um, you could all, of course, pull the the smart out, which we yeah. uh, we all love. Max Smart. We all love to hear that. Um, but you know, I uh, I am interested to see what the Thunder do, and I'm also interested to see in 2025 when literally half the draft board is the Thunder. Because every team in the league will have traded a pick to them at some point. Um, I mean, they legitimately own the future of multiple franchises at this point. The so, Clippers, the Rockets, the – I'm blanking. Who did they just trade with? Who did they just trade with? Well, They got the Suns. So the Sixers pick they get back is 2025, and it's protected one through six. Uh, uh so there's a chance that, you know, the Sixers are, you know, back to the process by then or something. And, uh, you know, if they end up trading Simmons for Harden and then Harden just kind of does his thing for five years and flames out and MB does some craziness, it's definitely possible that the Sixers are bad by 2025 again. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, the Thunder have a have a good chance at doing something, but at the same time, you know, picks picks are always a little bit overrated. I mean, if you look at the Heat, so when the Heat traded for Goran Dragic, they gave up a bunch of first-round picks in the future that right. everyone was so – they valued these Heat picks so much because, oh, you know, the Heat are going to be bad by then. And here we are. The Heat just made the finals. With the two first-round picks they had. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they the, the the very few picks they had, they're like, okay, well, first we're going to take Bam Adebayo, who has turned out pretty decent, I would say. And then, oh, yeah, Tyler Hero, he's also pretty decent. Uh, you know, two of the three best players on a final team. So, 
still on their rookie contract. Tyler Hero was an actual rookie. So, um, you know, I I hate to say it kind of, but I think Pat Riley knows what he's doing. But oh, yeah. uh, that's that's a little bit off track. But No, I, you know, I, I get where there, you're going. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a chance that, you know, as as we look at the Thunder right now as this great, smart team with all these picks, there's definitely a chance that the Clippers and the Rockets are still great um, by the time these picks actually convey. So, you know, it, it's obviously great asset collection-wise, but we'll, we'll see what they actually turn out to be. Here's a trade for you. Clippers are trading Landry Shamit to the Nets for number 19. Oh, wow. That is a um, – I don't know who they could possibly be selecting. But that's interesting because I huh. thought Shamit was a good piece, like a good role player for them. Like he dribbled, they had him dribble way too much. But I, I think that you know Shamit on your team, you want Shamit on your team. Yeah, they they must have someone really good in mind. Like they they have to, uh, otherwise, like because Shamit. Okay, so this actually, I'll loop this into my point about picks because actually it involves the Nets. Um. When people when teams trade for uber amounts of draft picks, what they're hoping for is what happened with Boston and Brooklyn, right? When you have so many bites of the apple, that eventually, you know, the theory is that once if you have so many bites of the apple, you'll eventually hit on one, right? Like, you know, if they keep throwing fastballs down the middle of the plate, even like I will hit a fastball down the middle of the plate, right, at 100 miles an hour. Um, I don't think that always is a smart idea, right? And I like Presty, you know, when he's so okay. This is an analogy I used a while ago on a podcast that I did with Caleb. So, you know, going to mob movies, right? Presty to me is not a wartime conciliary, right? When you are in a position to succeed and when you need to get that those final pieces to win, I don't know if Presty can put you over the top. But when you're in a situation like this, when you're like needing to tank, he's a perfect GM. Because you can get the pieces that you need. He he's a pretty good scout, it seems like. So although the last last however many years of draft record seem to refute this, um I think that he could be a pretty decent right. I think that the all these bites of the apples could be good. But oh, oh wow. I just saw what you gasped about. I heard the gasp. <laughs> and I refreshed Woj's Twitter page. Um, this is a three-way deal that includes the Pistons with Luke Kennard heading to the Clippers. That is an upgrade, my friends. That yeah, is that, a, that that makes a lot more sense now. That is an upgrade, and um, I really like that for the Clippers. I think Luke Kennard, like, he's going to be the seventh man, but that's a damn good seventh man. <laughs> yeah, and I'm fascinated to see what the Pistons end up getting here as well. Um, it's not shocking because Luke Kennard has been in rumors for at least a year now. I mean, there was rumors going back to last deadline about him going to the Suns, um, and I think some stuff even the summer before that. So, I mean, that's a great move for the Clippers because you know Luke Kennard, he's been good, but he's been on the Pistons. Yes. And that's really all you need to say. Um, so obviously his talents are much better suited in a different place. And the Clippers happen to be a pretty good place. So, you know, we, we've been talking about their bench creation uh, because Lou Will this past year was not it. So 
getting uh getting Canard in there is definitely a huge upgrade for the bench. Pistons are getting 19, by the way. That's that's the okay. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, I don't know. I don't know about that for the Pistons. They just want I mean, more bites of the apple. I mean, they. I don't blame them for getting as many first round picks. I just think they should have tried to get one for next year. <laughs> like if next yeah. year is as good as they say. I don't care if it's the Clippers. I guess the Clippers don't have a pick to trade next year. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. The the Thunder have that pick. <laughs> Going back to our discussion. Um, I don't know. To, to finish up the picks point, like, I just think that, you know, the draft is, I would say, 50% luck and 50% actual scouting capability, right? Because you could scout a guy and be like, oh, this guy is really talented. But then what if he's a terrible fit with like on your roster? You know, what if he doesn't get along with any of the players? You know, like what if, you know, what if he's Michael Beasley? You know, like Michael Beasley is the most talented, like one of the more talented guys probably of the last 12 years in terms of the draft. But then he just never fit anywhere he played. Like he was always like, he was the definition of good stats, bad team. So... And the one time he was on a finals team, they lost in hilarious fashion in 2014. So it's interesting, I think, where I think that Sam Presti having all these picks will certainly be of interest. And David Griffin, too. Like, we we brought up David Griffin when we did the Buck stuff. But the way that they were able to get all those picks and pick swaps for Drew... <laughs> who is object they got more for drew holiday than they did for anthony davis or i guess they get, they got about the same because i forgot about ingram in terms of picks they got more for drew holiday in terms of talent i would say they're pretty much even because i don't know how much better they'll do than ingram but yeah and we never we never really touched on the new Orleans side of it but um i'm pretty interested to see where they go now um as we've talked about before Derek favors is a free agent um, and if he leaves, then they are also in the running for a pretty good pick next year. Um, because, you know, even with Zion and Ingram, it's it's tough sledding out there in the West. And with taking Drew out of the equation, and even with Drew this year, they were not a playoff team. So um, I'm interested to see where they go because I think Redick could possibly be on the move. Uh, and, you know, a team like the Nets, whether they get Harden or not, I could see the Nets going after uh, someone like that if he's available. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of ways Griffin could take this team, and you know Ingram is probably going to get a pretty big contract. Um, and having having him and Zion's a great core. Um, and the Lonzo Ball thing is still interesting to me. I like Lonzo, but there's been rumors about whether he's going to end up staying there or not. Uh, I guess him not being traded tonight is maybe a good sign that he probably will still stay there. But I guess free agency is going to open a lot of doors for for player movement. So we'll see. But uh, as far as the future, yeah, Griffin has definitely uh, amassed quite a war chest of, of picks coming up here. Yeah, and we'll see how that goes. Um, let's touch on the Lakers real quick, even though – we are I'd say it's safe to say at this point that we are we are Laker haters, right? 
neither of us like the Lakers. Let's let's just lead into it. Let's just lead into it. We don't we don't actually hate the Lakers, but when people start listening to this and figuring out that we're Laker haters, we'll see we'll see how it goes. But I the Schroeder to me is gonna be interesting move because we you have been on the Danny Green is very overrated train for quite a while now. But I still think that they'll miss Danny Green in a sense. I think they're going to miss his defense. Um, but that being said, I think Schroeder fixes their biggest hole. So what do you think the Lakers lose from this trade? But what do you, And what do you think they gain from the trade? Well, see, here's where here's the thing. So. I believe I saw that KCP is leaning towards opting out of his player option. Um, I don't think that's official yet, but I think you can probably get away with losing green if you keep KCP because KCP kind of offers a similar skill set, but obviously uh, he's not as good as Danny Green defensively, at least. Um, You know, the Danny Green shooting is just not there anymore. And we didn't really touch on that much with the the, the Horford trade. Was Danny Green is end up and going to end up in Philly? Right. We forgot uh, to, I, I forgot to touch on that for sure. Which which I actually like for them because I think that makes it more likely that they end up pushing Josh Richardson to the bench, as I talked about last week. Um, you know, it's not for sure, but I could see them going that route. Um, which again, I like I said last week, I think. I think giving Richardson more ball handling opportunities is going to help them. And I think the only way they can do that is if he's coming off the bench. So, you know, having Danny Green in there gives them more options for starting. And, um, you know, we'll see if we'll see what they end up doing, because they do have a good amount of options as far as wings. And, you know, you can start Shake Milton. Like, there's a lot of ways they could go. But that's interesting. But from the Lakers perspective, yeah. They're definitely going to lose uh, perimeter defense, but I almost think I almost think adding Schroeder kind of makes up for that. But at the same time, I'm not sure how good I feel about them losing Rondo because right. it, it seems very likely that Rondo is going to leave. And the rumor at the moment is he's going to end up with the Hawks, which I don't know. I don't I mean, like that, that at all. Does that make the Hawks a playoff team? Because it seems like he always goes to teams that become the play, become a playoff team. Uh, shout out to the Pelicans a couple years ago. Right. But, but you know, we, we know what Rondo is. Um, he's not what he used to be, but at the same time, he's always good in the playoffs, at least in spurts. And we saw this past year, like he, he had a lot of good playoff moments that helped uh, push them over the top um, in a lot of these series. So, it's going to be interesting. I mean, as far like a, from a pure talent perspective, I think they improved, but losing Green's defense and and the playoff experience that Rondo did have, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I could see it. I could see it being a slight downgrade, just kind of fit wise. I mean, if KCP leaves, then I think that that's a huge like. You had you went from two solid wings beside LeBron to none. Right. And unless they have some kind of contingency plan, right? Like, if, I mean, I mean it, it, your contingency plan is probably Jared Dudley and Talon Hurton Tucker, right. which is not a good contingency plan. I mean, you could trade for uh, Horton Tucker's, I think he's his cousin, PJ, 
but that's not wing defense. He's they, more. Go ahead. Are they cousins? I didn't know that. I think they're related. I know that for sure. Okay. That is very interesting. I'll look I'm, it up. That's got to be on Basketball Reference. They always put family on there. Let's see. Personal life. Oh, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that they're related. Maybe that they maybe they aren't, but we could we could say they are because just, you have the same last name. Right, Tucker's in there. So <laughs> I I thought I read somewhere that they're related, but if not, you know that's that's whatever. But um, yeah, there's not really a whole lot of wing contingencies that are cheap, and the Lakers aren't. Um, asset rich <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker might be their best asset <laughs> that's tradable um, Kuz certainly isn't going to do it for you I think last year was probably the best Kuzma we're going to get which is saying something um, <laughs> I it's not going to get any better for Kuz I think we both agree on that Ugh. I, yeah I Kuzma, Kuzma surprised me like he he was better than I thought he'd be and he wasn't that great so that yeah I, I do I do worry about that. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's not act like the Lakers aren't in a great position here and probably still favorites to repeat. But they don't really like Danny Green was their one tradable piece, and they cashed that piece in. If KCP leaves, they're fucked. And there's really no other way to say it. Like, yeah, which showcases how how little depth they have. Right. Like. KCP leaving any pretty much any other finals team in history would not matter. KCP is the eighth man on most other finals teams. He yes. was probably their third. He was not probably he was their third best player last year. Yeah, which is which again. I, I still can't believe they won the finals. I mean, we we were a hundred percent correct our entire postseason discussion that the Lakers were not going to win the finals. The fact that they won does not change that. Okay, results do not change process. The process suggests they were not going to win the finals, and the process was wrong this time. But it's going to be right the next time, baby. It's going to be right. (laughs) I think that there's. I'm still putting them as the favorites coming in, right? Like, I'm not going to doubt LeBron James. But that being said, the holes are definitely there, and Schroeder definitely it decreases the holes in one aspect and it increases the holes in another. I guess, I guess is what I would probably say about that. Right. Like the guard play significantly improves. It sounds like Avery Bradley's leaving, which is going to open up a whole other can of worms because yeah, before the bubble, Avery Bradley was without a doubt, their third best player, which is always an issue in 2020. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, losing Avery Bradley and Danny green, I mean, you think in 2020, like, okay, that's not that big of a deal, but it is. It's a big deal because who else are they going to have? Like, who else do they have on their team that's going to play defense, right? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do at center. Um, They seem like a prime. Like, let's be real. We're talking about all these Tristan Thompson destinations, not acting like that he's not one of the biggest clutch guys and just going to end up in L.A. (laughs) I mean... So that's probably their center, but uh, I just I we we say all these things about the Lakers, yet they're still so damn good. <laughs> this is LeBron James in a nutshell. He did. 
if this Lakers team didn't have Anthony Davis, they're worse than the 2018 Cavs. I, I think we both agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, since as this past year showcase, maybe this past year was a fluke, but I guess I guess LeBron's entire career has been like this where he's able to stretch kind of veteran players that are on the, de- on the decline uh, to make them very – uh, good for him. I think this just shows that they need to get Damari Carroll. That that's who they need to get. <laughs> I could very well see Damari Carroll going to the to the Lakers and becoming like 2014 Damari Carroll. Because that's just what fun games brings out of people. Of what team was Damari? Was Damari Carroll in the Rockets last year? He was. Yes. Wow. And I don't think he even played, but. He would play on the Lakers, that's for sure. Wait, wait. You you know who they're gonna get? You know you know who's gonna go to the Lakers? <laughs> what I just realized? They're gonna pair Jeff Green 2.0 with actual Jeff Green. <laughs> yep. That's it. They're, they're gonna get they're gonna have them and uh they're gonna have they're gonna have Green. They're going to have Kuzma and they're going to have Carroll. And that's going to be their big bench three right there. Hey, you could like Jeff Green was good last year. He was. Even though I am loath to trust Jeff Green. Caleb, our, our good friend Caleb Lynn loves, loves Jeff Green. I, I, I don't see it, but you know. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I think Jeff Green really won Caleb over when he was on the, the Wizards that one year. I mean, what a year. I thought it was the year he was with the Magic. <laughs> it was it was the year where he was with every bad playoff team in the East. It, all those years, man, what great years. I accidentally clicked on Jeff Horn a sec when I meant to click on Jeff Green. Let's see. There we go. Jeff Green. I don't know. I think it was the one year in Seattle that did him for him. I think it was the... That was a solid year. <laughs> and who Jeff can Green- forget the Memphis stint, man? Unbelievable. <laughs> like... You want to talk about picks, okay? All this shit about that Memphis pick, that Danny Ainge, the Sacramento pick, that fucking Sacramento pick, that was the most hype pick in the league for years. That Sacramento pick and the Memphis pick both turned into 14. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, you, well, get- you know how lucky the Grizzlies got where they were going to give up last year's pick if it wasn't top three. They shoot up to number two. They get Joffrey and Morant. And then they have to give up 14 this year which is one of the worst drafts in years. I mean, what a freaking – and I'm so happy as a partial Celtics hater that they finally lost a trade because, I mean, the the Grizzlies got so freaking lucky it worked out that way. Yeah, they did. They really did, but I don't know. I saw someone say on Twitter, I don't remember who, but um, the Celtics are that are that guy that girls are always saying – they. They had in their DMs and they never <laughs> go through with it. <laughs> and I thought that was the perfect comp because the Celtics are always like, oh, we could have had Anthony Davis. Oh, we could have had Kawhi Leonard. Oh, we could have had Paul George. Blah, 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 blah. Shut up and make a fucking trade. That's that's right. I said it. God damn. I'm so sick and tired of the Celtics. I like I love Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. I don't really care for Daniel Tice. I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> that was that was unnecessary. But how dare you? Listen, he's fine. He's fine. I just don't want my six eight guy starting at center. Okay, call me old fashioned. Or Germans at every cost. Okay, you need to remember that. I mean, 
<laughs> this is a German loving podcast. As someone that took, I took two years of German in college and high school, so I have a soft spot in my heart for that region of the world. I took two years of Spanish in college. That doesn't mean I'm singing Pau Gasol's praises every day. <laughs> well, maybe you should be. I, listen, I'll always... Pau Gasol was a great player. I'll always love Mark Moore just because of how bad Pau fucked over the Bulls. That's, <laughs> That's right. I've, I've always loved Mark as well. And, and Pau being on the Lakers didn't necessarily make me like him too much. I mean, I'm just a... I'm mad because I I feel in my heart of hearts that that Pau Gasol ruined Joakim Noah. This this is this isn't the time for that though. This isn't the time to. <laughs> okay, basically the short short version of this theory is that Joakim had already put a lot of miles on him, and then having to move to power forward didn't help to accommodate Pau Gasol. And once he had to guard on the perimeter more and start doing more strenuous work, then his body broke down. That's the really really short version of the theory. Okay. So you ruminate on that. Um, <laughs> is there any other trade slash offseason details that we missed? I feel like we touched on just about everything. Well, the uh, the epic Bruce Brown and Zanyan Musa trade um, was just game breaking. I mean, what a way to start start the the new year, right? I mean, what a deal! And also, how dare the Pistons trade my favorite Piston, Bruce Brown? Unbelievable. The Pistons have literally no one on their roster I like anymore. I like, I mean, I like Blake Griffin. Five years. You know, uh, Sekou Demboye is interesting. Um, And they're probably going to trade him to another team where he'll be way better on. Because He'll be in like 2022, though. That's right. So we have a couple of years. But, I mean, Chris Middleton was literally nothing before he got to the Bucks. I mean, being a Pistons fan would be probably the worst thing in life because it, it pretty much solely for that. Like, you have Chris Middleton, who's a second-round pick. Um, you know, we've obviously seen a lot of second-round picks turn out to be awesome, like freaking Nikola Jokic. But, you know, you don't get them that often. Like, if you get one or two a year that are that turn out to be pretty good players, you're happy about that. Chris Middleton is freaking awesome. And you had him on your team. You give him to a division rival. And yes, I know divisions don't really matter anymore. But at the time, they did. You give him to a division rival who is still on there and still killing you. And they also traded Brandon Knight, who was pretty good for a while. Um, And they give away Brandon Jennings. I mean, if you can trade for Brandon Jennings, you just do it, you know. Right, of course. I know you have to trade for I know he had like 50 points in his first game or whatever it was, but I mean, what a deal. And I'm so sorry for Pistons fans for your life being how it is because it's got to be tough. Yeah. And let's, let's not forget the real icing on the shit cake, which just started when they traded Chauncey Billups, a really good point guard who was going to age well for Allen Iverson, who predictably bombed out of the league after playing 43 minutes a game for like the previous 12 years. Who could have saw it coming? Not Joe Dumars, apparently. Joe Dumars, man, a living legend. Still still causing problems for for the great franchise out in Sacramento. Think about how crazy it is that he drafted Darko over Bosch and Mello. 
and had no consequences from it. <laughs> like, think about how crazy that is. I, I think like, I think mellow, mellow to the Pistons is probably one of the great what ifs of all time. I mean, that team. I don't know how they got that pick, but wasn't that team like a finals team? So okay, so I think this is where we'll wrap up. But the the story is fun to tell. So I believe it was a Memphis and Detroit trade from 1997. Oh where, man, where the protections just kept dropping and dropping, right? You know, like it was the pick protections, and I believe Memphis had the pick. Okay, all I know is that. Memphis traded this pick while they were in Vancouver. <laughs> That's, I, and I think Antonio McDice was involved somehow. Um, I'm, I'm reciting this from memory, so my details may be a little off. The point is that the protections lessen and lessen every year. And the, it was top one protected in 2003. Mm. So if the Grizzlies get number one, they have LeBron James. If they get number two, they don't have the pick. <laughs> They got number two, and they went to Detroit, and the rest is history. Wow. But, I mean, seriously, like, putting Melo on that team, everything changes. Like, I don't think the NBA right now would be what it is. Like, there would be something different. Melo would probably, like, for all we know, Melo could have more rings than LeBron, or at least the same. I mean, it would be drastically different. Yeah, there's no debate about the 05 Pacers if Melo's on the is on the Pistons. Oh no. Sorry. Sorry for the low blow Pacers fans, but you know I'm right. Hey, you know, just just to get my Pacers pessimism in for this week, all these trades that happen in the East, I mean we're talking about maybe Harden going to Brooklyn or Philly. You know, either one of them is terrible for a Pacers fan. It, it just continues my thought that being a Pacers fan is just worthless. Like, what is the point? Like, they're going to trade Victor Aldipo for some young guy that's going to be okay, but not good enough. And they're going to be the seventh seed in the playoffs for the next 10 years, while probably five or six different franchises win the finals. And, you know, I'm going to be raising my kids one day, talking about when Paul George almost beat LeBron. I mean, what, what a life. You know, you know, I shit on the Pistons, but at least they're getting picks that could be superstars. Would the Pacers ever getting a superstar? The Pistons won a championship, and that's something that you – they've won three in the last 30, 32 years. I mean, that's three more than the Pacers have. Exactly. I mean, if only, if only I was around in the late 60s when they were an ABA absolute stalwart. Like, if only I was around back then, man, my life would be so much better. Hey, I mean, the good news is, you know, the Pistons, the last time the Pistons and IU won anything of substance, the Isaiah Thomas was around. So, you don't, you don't need to. You know, clinging, <laughs> clinging to my IU hate, despite the fact that Purdue never does better either. I mean, the, the IU hate is keeping me alive. So, that is that is keeping me going. But the Pacers are slowly dragging my sports spirit down. And also, shout out to the Cincinnati Reds. Just a just an amazing franchise. I mean, the guy that just wins the NLC Young is definitely going to leave. And it's going to get worse. They're not going to trade for uh, Lindor. I mean, what a life. 
the Colts are going to be a first round exit in the playoffs. Man, I'm very happy with my teams at the moment. While we're at it, I'm so mad at the fucking White Sox for Tony Labuza. Are you kidding me, dude? Are you, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? This is a fun young team, right? And you go out and hire a guy that says black people kneeling. Like he says all this shit about Black Lives Matter and your best player is fucking black and he fucking flips his back. Are you serious? Are you serious? You had one way to go. And all because, all because, listen, okay, this is the reason why Jerry Reinsdorf hired his ass, okay? This this will be where we close the podcast because I, I don't think I can go anymore after getting this fucking off my fucking mind. Okay. The only reason that Jerry Reinsdorf hired him is because in the 80s, Hawk Harrelson, who is the beloved White Sox announcer, but somehow was the GM <laughs> in the 80s, he fired Tony Larusa. Tony Larusa proceeds to go to Oakland, gets Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and Dennis Eckersley in the gang. And they, you know, he has a great run of success. He goes on a great run in Oakland and becomes one of the considered one of the best managers in the game. I am convinced, right? And this 1986, I want to say, was like Jerry's one of his first year owning the team. I am convinced this was the only reason they fucking hired Tony Larissa. And they knew he had a DUI and they didn't give a fuck. Like what? Like they knew he was going to get charged for it. What the hell? It just, it's <laughs> like you have not, I don't think you've ever heard me this passionate on a podcast before. I am legitimately seething. Okay. Seething. It's such a bad hire and it's so bad for baseball. If I was, listen, this is one of the times I wish David Stern was the commissioner of every sport. Cause David Stern would say, hell no, you're not hiring this fucking guy. He would go up to Reinsdorf and say, fuck you, Reinsdorf. You're not hiring this guy. Now did, did David Stern maybe rig some games and rig some finals? Sure. Let's not get into that right now. Okay. <laughs> he would have the balls to say, no, you shouldn't hire this guy. And it's a bad PR move just in general even without just the DUI stuff, right? You just go into LaRusso's recent history. It's just a bad fucking move. I'm so, I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm so mad. Well, you know what would be the perfect Reinsdorf uh, double threat would be if he hired uh, George Carl for the Bulls. I mean, that would be a beautiful pairing right there. Oh, God. Uh, listen, I'm glad he didn't hire George Carl. I'm just glad he... He shouldn't have ever let that clown Boylan coach the team either. What a fucking disgrace. That, that guy not, not only let him coach, but he extended him. He's a clown. <sighs> but Hey, man, if making your players punch into an actual time clock isn't endearing, I don't know what is. That's right, because I want my NBA players to work exactly like I do. <laughs> <laughs> How relatable. I want my I want my NBA players to have the same working conditions that I do. A guy who's 22 years old working a regular job. That's that's what I want my I want my athletes to be relatable that way. Exactly. And uh, I want I, them I want them to be a little bit underwhelming like I feel like I am as well. Now, <laughs> that's exactly what I want. <laughs> that's a great way to close it. I'm so I'm oh, mad. We shouldn't have ever gone down this fucking road. Um, <laughs> Dylan, this was this was so much fun. Uh, this was a great a great way to spend draft night. Even though if I did not watch the draft very much and just spent most of it on Woj's Twitter page, <laughs> that's what the draft is nowadays. Just, I mean, I'm I'm like two or three picks ahead at this point. It's like I feel like I know the draft the the player the team's going to draft before the team actually knows it. 
So, uh, you know, what a, what a pleasure to, uh, to have access to Woj and his, and his sources. Absolutely. And you, you don't want to miss our other stuff on the network. Um, triple option pass is always great. The, the episode with Devin bragging about Notre Dame was exactly, it was everything I thought it was going to be and more. You remember I hyped that up last week and it was, it, I, I may have overpromised, but it definitely over delivered, you know, it, if that, I, that's not an expression, but I just made it one. Fuck it. Um, I'm still mad. <laughs> Battleground. I don't think they're going to have an episode this week, but they're still, they're always fun. You go check out the last week's episode. Lynn Sanity. Caleb is a monster. And I say that in the most complimentary way possible. The dude is, um, dude is just an NFL monster and he's so smart. And him and Bryce Shaddy and Zach got together. Um, Circle City Cinema. I think they had an episode. Yeah, they had an episode this week on, uh, it was on David Fincher movies, The Game and Fight Club. I've not seen Fight Club, and I was I was a little I like listened to it in protest, you know, because I was like I hadn't seen the movie, but thankfully, thankfully I didn't retain any of it. Don't tell Zach I said that, um, <laughs> so I can watch the movie and I feel like I won't I won't remember any of their spoilers. But go check that out. That was a fun episode. Um, I will have a I had a. Uh, MJ LeBron episode with Will Hogsett that I put out this week. I know in the middle of trade season, that's a little, it's a little nonsensical, but I, it was too good to hold. It was too good to hold. Will and I had a great discussion. Um, he was able to able to put on some objectivity and which was great for the purposes of our discussion. And like I said, I'm going to have Caleb Lynn on later this week and it's going to be a blast. We're going to break down. I'm just like, like Dylan said, I'm just going to say names. <laughs> he's going to tell me what's up. I'll be like Tyrese Maxey. He's going to be like, yeah, he's a guy. He's going to give you a little more than that. That's what I would give you if you asked me about Tyrese Maxey. Um, I don't think I'm missing anything. Um, like I said, Dylan, this is a pleasure as always. Thank you for, thank you for indulging me. <laughs> thank you, buddy. Fun as always. And we have a great great uh pod next week i'm i'm sure with with free agency starting oh yeah that's gonna be absolutely wild we're gonna have to oh god this is gonna be we're gonna have to buckle our seatbelts for that one because i mean we went off the rails multiple times this podcast and i can imagine plenty more of that next week yeah especially if it's like last year where it's like Kawhi took seven days to sign oh then well thank god there's no Kawhi. if we have to wait on danilo gallinari's thrilling free agency decision i'm gonna off myself i think well jim gray jim gray i'm i've been told is knocking at danilo gallinari's door um just waiting waiting to get the exclusive <laughs> i'm sure he is <laughs> i'd say this is the most we've ever laughed on an episode so this is this is a great episode um i this is a little late to tell you this but you, this one was this one was so much fun um you gotta listen to it rewind it if you if you listen to this okay i want you to rewind it and just it's you can see how much we how much we enjoyed ourselves this week so <laughs> thank you for joining me <laughs>